0: Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata,
1: And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. Brought to us tonight by Petite Pet Care. While you're at work or on vacation, you don't have to board your pet. He can stay in the comfort of his own home. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care. Find them at PetitePetCare.com.
0: Each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margot and I invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant and food community to join us. And we invite them to bring along their own guest, the Plus One. We never know who the Plus One's going to be. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. But our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One is a curator, cook, and culinary historian, Zella Palmer, the new program director of the Ray Charles Program in African American Material Culture at Dillard University. Very excited to be talking to her, but first, uh, let's catch up on this week's culinary adventures. Margo, do you have anything worth reporting?
1: Well, I've been eating prepared paleo meals <laughs> for the past two weeks. Uh, so, um, though we've lost a lot to of weight, that experience, yes, it's, uh, directly. It's, yes yeah. it's not very um, interesting, I guess. But you at like this it, point. it's been good. Love it, love it. Cool. So, um, what about your week?
0: Oh, uh, I had a lot of good meals this week, but. Um, Let's see. I uh, oh, people are passing us notes in the middle of the thing. What is that? Ooh, it's a love Very note. Mysterious. Am I am I in great, trouble from the, great the teacher? Yeah, Dean Ellis just came in. But um, okay, oh, huh, I'm dying to see what that says. But the font are. Okay, all right.
1: Your underpants are sticking out, or something like that.
0: It might say. <laughs> well. Uh, I passed, you know, it's in my neighborhood, and it's by all these other great restaurants, Rum House, and, um, and I, you know, I avoid it because it's always so packed, and I try, it, just, it looks a little annoying in in terms of, like, I hate having to wait for, I never wait for a table, I'll never do it, you uh-huh. know, some really great place to eat here, and, you know, we, we were looking for other places, they were all crowded, went by, and, and, and shockingly, on Sunday afternoon, it wasn't as crowded as usual, it's very popular, and I went, I hadn't been in a couple of years, and it, I, I think it's gotten, I mean, it was always good, but I think it got, like, even a lot better. I, I had fantastic. I couldn't stop ordering. Like, I had, like, four tacos, mm-hmm. and I ate a big chunk of uh, my friend's nacho plate, which is amazing. The the duck duck goose was crazy good, and they have all these kind of really exotic meats for, like, tacos, you know? It's a little, like, wands in that way. It's got a lot of, like, strange things that, that Mexican purists would get very upset about, but it's got um, the lamb uh, vandaloo is, like, really awesome with, like, the yogurt sauce and stuff in it, and it was real spicy. It was just awesome. I mean, I just had a great time. And then this morning, my wife and I went to um, the, uh, what's it called, uh, Riccobono's Cafe on Panola, mm-hmm. you know, Panola Street One, and at just a little breakfast place, and it was fantastic.
1: Well, that's much more exciting than my... Uh, <laughs> than my your paleo? Yes. Well, no, I mean, that's kind of,
0: you know, that's interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you're enjoying it so far. You're a couple weeks into it, right?
1: Yes. My husband's lost 15 pounds. 15 pounds? Yeah.
0: Oh, man, but. that makes me want to reconsider.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs>
0: that's pretty amazing. Um well, we also need to mention uh, Eat Fit Nola Dine Out. Um, this, this is still, uh, this, we're still a week or two out from this. So when you dine out at participating Eat Fit Nola restaurants on Wednesday, August 20th, For lunch or dinner, proceeds will benefit Eat Fit NOLA programs, including on-site health screenings for restaurant staff, nutrition education and high school culinary programs, teaching gardens, community cooking demonstrations, all kinds of great stuff. So find out more about participating restaurants by clicking on the link on Minute Menu Plus One's page uh, on itsneworleans.com, or just go directly to eatfitnola.com. Well, I think it's time for our guests now. Uh, z- yeah, Zella Palmer is, as we said, the new director of the Ray Charles Program in African American Material Culture at Dillard University. And she is very interesting. She studied in, uh, formally in three different countries, in Chicago and Toronto and Cuba. Can't wait to ask her about that. <laughs> and, um, and she's also uh, an expert in southern foodways, and she's producing a new PBS show. Lots of great stuff. Can't wait to talk to uh, Zella, Mil- Zella-, Zella Palmer.
3: <laughs> yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you guys.
1: Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, will you pronounce your last name for us? Because I think I know how to pronounce it. Sure.
3: But- um, well, my book is Zella Palmer Cuadra. But now I am Zella Palmer. <laughs> yeah, okay. She she told us we
0: could call her Zella Palmer yes. before the show. Maybe you missed that. I'm yeah. sorry. I, was glad I knew I couldn't roll my W or whatever. I was yeah, supposed R. To roll in was <laughs> Yeah, something. One of the, one of the one of the letters I couldn't roll. Oh. Um.
1: So your book is under Palmer
3: Quadra. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. ma'am.
1: Okay. <laughs> and um, I I was gonna ask you something else, but but since you brought that up, can you um tell us a little bit? about your book and when you wrote it and what what uh, what it's about
3: Um, well originally um, I'm from Chicago originally uh, but I came down here as a kid and on my dad's side our roots are in New Orleans my great-grandfather was actually from here my great-grandmother my grandfather and they came to Chicago you know, through the train, like a lot of um, people during the Great Migration. So in Chicago, um, I grew up eating African-American Creole and Latin American food. But I traveled a lot to Cuba um, during my university years, and I got an internship. And eventually I was an exchange student at the University of Havana in Cuba, so when i came here after traveling through latin america backpacking like a lot of a lot of kids do during their university years i just felt like new orleans had a lot in common with latin america as far as the architecture the food and the music And at the time, I was doing my internship at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum under the leadership of Liz Williams. Yeah, we love her. I love her. She's She's my mentor. I just adore her. (laughs) So, um, you know, I said, I I said, has there ever been a book done about Latin American the history of Latin American cuisine in New Orleans. She said, no, Zelly, you should write it. And I said, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I started to do research and just started to really talk to a lot of Latin Americans who are from here. And I wanted to put it all together. And it's really started in uh, Edgar Sierra Jimenez house. He's been a waiter at um, Cape Paul's for about 25 years, has worked at Brennan's, has the funniest stories. I mean, this bananas foster story where, you know, he burns almost burns the curtains and Brennan's you know it's just hilarious and it's really he's the reason why they shut down yeah Yeah. (laughs) and you know it was just it was just an amazing experience and I really just started to go into people's homes and just be a curator basically you know and what I do and what I was trained for when I was studying at the University of Toronto you know so I just wanted for the Latin American community here to to tell tell their story, basically, but through food, you know, because it always starts with food. So that's how it started. I wrote the book and like three years before I got it published, you know, uh, Liz Williams said, have you got it published yet? I said, nope, it's sitting right here on my laptop. And she called up University Press of Mississippi and, you know, they were looking for new authors and bam, you know, what can I say? My book was published after that. So I'm really grateful to Liz. And everyone who was in my book, you know, everyone who participated, I mean, everyone from every socioeconomic background. I also want to thank Hortensia Calvo at the Tulane Latin American Library. Um, She helped me a lot with the research and just really got me to understand what it means to be Latin American in New Orleans and growing up here from the 19th century to the present. So... Huh. Wonderful. It was awesome. Yeah.
0: Now, how did you get to the University of Havana? An, I, I have, I've never met anybody, I don't think, that has done formal study in Cuba, because well, I would think that would be a little bit of a hurdle, too.
3: It was. Get a visa I mean, it was the Clinton whatever. year, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it was kind of lax, you know, and, and I went through Berkeley, um, so I got to study over there, and, you know. Were there a lot there of American students there? My group. <laughs> we were licensed to go over there, so we got yeah. to study at the University of Havana, so it and was how awesome. long were you there? Um, we were there for about three months, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, three months. Yeah. so been really interesting. It was awesome. It was awesome. And there's so many similarities between New Orleans and Cuba. It's insane. And, you know, through my research, I found out that um, Antonio um, Maceo and Maximo Gomez, who were the um, basically the liberators, in a way, of Cuba, they actually lived in the Treme. So that was interesting to find out. There's so many Cuban influences in New Orleans. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: you know, the Cuban flag, the uh, the modern one flew for the first time in New Orleans before it did in Cuba. And there's a plaque to that on Poydre Street um, that I've met a lot of Cuban-Americans here that don't even know that. But um, there's, of course, that long history of Cubans here that sort of now they've assimilated and there's less maybe of a, a distinctive community of it. But what does it mean to be Latin American in New Orleans? What is that?
3: Well, I mean... It's, you know, I, I I go back to Chef Alolfo Garcia, who is one of New Orleans' biggest right. restaurateurs. You know, I, it's 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 basically being Creole, you know, that's really what it am- amalgamates, to. because, I oh. mean, Creole is such a broad, you know, but it's it's being part of the larger community but also maintaining your own culture you know so i think that's what latin american in new orleans means i mean it changes all the time you know but it's also assimilating into the mainstream it really is the gumbo of america really you know and i think when the
0: gumbo of america yeah Yeah.
3: it really is you know and i'm I'm really proud to be here and proud that new orleans called me back you know because I mean, my family was here, you know, and I didn't know why sometimes why huh. I was here. And my sister went to Xavier, you know, and so I would come right. down here when I was a teenager and visit her. So it was it was awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, tell me comment on this thing that I say to people, and it, it enrages some people and in interests other people. <laughs> I'm not really sure I believe it, but I say it all right. the time. Um, I always say to folks when they're trying to get a handle, like my friends that have never been to New Orleans, I'm a, a Yankee originally, and I'll <laughs> say, like, well, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll refer to this place as being southern and so forth, and I always kind of try to correct them, and I say, well, I mean, in a sense, but really, it's a lot closer, what I always say is it's a lot closer to, like, a mix between Havana and, like, uh, southern France or Italy. You know, it's sort of like a Mediterranean, kind of a rural Mediterranean culture mixed with, like, a Caribbean culture. And uh, what do you think about that statement?
3: I absolutely agree. Um, Christina Grues, uh, she wrote, I can't remember the name of the book right now, but she said that this was the Paris of Latin America, mm. that New Orleans was the Paris of Latin America. Pan- I, Paris I, I, of
0: Latin America. Yeah,
3: and I, c- I couldn't agree with her more. I mean, geographically, just where New Orleans is, and, you know, you got to think that this is a port city, you know. So when you look at port cities like New York or, you know, Charleston, I mean, you had a lot of influx of diversity, basically. Right. So when you look at where New Orleans is, I mean, it's right on the cover of right. you know Central America Mexico the Caribbean Cuba you know it's right there and there were there were a lot of latinos who were coming here from different socioeconomic backgrounds who were contributing to what we call new orleans mm. you know but they were kind of just pockets of community and they were here then they left and you know it just depended on what what happened but you know i'll, I'll go back to rafael de Gadillo, who was my colleague at um university of new orleans i mean he went to university of new orleans but this new orleans had the largest amount of hispanic or spanish newspapers in the 19th century larger than new york you know, really interesting. He, wow. Yeah, he contested, you know, some uh, scholars out there about that. And I think everyone should look him up. He has a great um, paper. His master's thesis was awesome about 19th century Latin American newspapers. Yeah.
0: Huh. Well, that, you know, that kind of topic always interests me because, you know, like the oldest African-American uh, newspaper is out in New Orleans. It's still continuing. The, um, the, the largest Italian population in Absolutely. America came here first before New York prior to Ellis Island in 1892. Absolutely. It was here first. There's so many of those sort of – the first Filipino community in America was here. Absolutely. And those things kind of blended together and created sort of a tolerance for um, for mixing cultures and doing things in a fun way. Like you said, a gumbo sort of approach to culture mm-hmm. that is not typical of the South or any place else in America, really, it seems to me. Well, Do you I agree mean, with
3: that? I completely agree with that. I mean, when you look at, like, what we eat here in New Orleans, you know – we do, they don't eat red beans and rice in Mississippi or Alabama, you know, but <laughs> right. it that comes from that creolization, that Caribbean influence, you know, red beans and rice came from Haiti, you know, it's a Haitian dish, but right next door, the same shares the same country as Dominican Republic, and they call it la bandera dominicana, which means the Dominican flag. So they eat it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, so, you know, the, it's it's all of these nuances, I mean, nothing is right. null and void, it's just everybody just saying, we have good food, and that's what makes New Orleans so special is All that right. we share food. Right, we one, love food. Like
0: one dish could have four or five different nationalities that Absolutely. went into it. And you don't have that. Like in other cities, you have – an ethnicity brought a dish, and that was great. And then another ethnicity brought a dish, and that was great. But New Orleans, it seemed like it blended them Absolutely. in a way. And, and to me, that's a symbol of what the culture did here too. And that's why it's really hard to sort of pin it down.
3: Absolutely, and I think that's why I love this city so right. much because you know it's 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 nothing like it anywhere else. And I don't think I don't think you'll necessarily find I mean I've, I've, I'm i a Chicagoan, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I was born in Chicago, all that. But it, this city just called me, and I just love it. Yeah, so. <laughs>
1: nice okay so um what other influences would you say this city ha- latin influences that um stand out culturally mm. besides food um
3: besides food the music um mm. absolutely the music you know when you look back at who were the first um jazz, who who was there when jazz was created, it was also Mexicans that were there. Now, a lot of people don't know that, but, you know, Uh, the Mexican National Band was actually here, and they were contributing a lot, you know, to that. When you have, when you think about Manuel's Hot hot Tamales, you Uh, know, he, historically, he was one, he was a jazz musician, so he just like you know when we look at surrey's one of our favorite breakfast joints you know the owner is a musician musicians have to eat you know so (laughs) a lot of times musicians cook you know and we look at like alexei maiti who is um a, a popular cuban percussionist here in new orleans right now and he's played for everyone and in my book you know he talks about you know being just in around his musician colleagues and they're cooking Creole food, and he's cooking Cuban food, and it's you know. It's the same thing, you know. We love sports here. Cuba loves sports, you know. We love Cubans love food. New Orleans loves food. New love food. So it's it's the same kind of culture, the Caribbean culture that I think you know makes New Orleans special, and and to know the past, you know, and to respect the past, because you don't see that in a lot of cities.
1: Well speaking of the past, I, I I would like to know a little bit about you. So I I uh it makes sense uh that you would uh, we're we're talking about all this, but I, I what and, and that New Orleans is in your heart because mm-hmm. you have deep connections yeah. to this to the area. But what drew you to um combine food and and Latin American culture And in the first place, like what in your life? Sure. I mean, like I
3: said, I grew up in Chicago. Um, I grew up in South Side of Chicago, South Chicago. And all my friends were African-American and Latin American, you know. Um, And our family was, you know, combined. I remember when my grandmother died, you know, my, my sister's best friend, she made all the, she's Puerto Rican. And she made, she made all the food for our family. So it was never... You know, like you're this or you're that, even though Chicago is a very seg- segregated city. But depending on your economic background, you live in the same neighborhood, you know? So, me going to high school, you know, in Chicago, it was like all of my friends were from everywhere. You know, I was eating, you know, matzo ball soup. <laughs> <you> <laughs> know what I mean? And it was just normal. And we were just friends, you know? And, but my passion was, Absolutely, you know, Latin American food and my own, you know, just family just cooking dinner on Sundays or whatever, you know, and I ended up just having lots of friends who, you know, were Puerto Rican or wherever, Mexican, and I would just uh, somehow end up in their kitchen and then, you know, I just, I didn't want to go outside, I just wanted to be in the kitchen and listen to the stories, you know, so that really... I think ingrained in me my love for food, and then by the time I got to my master's degree at the University of Toronto, I had the option—I had a lot of options as far as my internships—but I chose Southern Food and Beverage Museum because I wouldn't shut up about food, and I was trying <laughs> to figure out a way, you know, to combined museum studies and food and I was like okay what am I going to do you know and then it came together and my book is actually dedicated to my professor who pushed me to come to New Orleans you know and she died of cancer while I was here which was devastating for us but, you know because I couldn't wait to go back and tell her you know everything that I learned but she was gone by the time I got back so it was tough.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's time for our plus your plus one. We uh, we ask our special guest to uh, to bring a mystery guest, a plus one. We never know who it's going to be till they arrive, and we don't recognize you. So uh, tell us who you are and uh, tell us why. Well, why don't you introduce your plus one? Tell us who she is and why you brought her.
3: Well, that's my mom. Your mom.
0: <laughs> All right. And
3: I love my mommy. <laughs> um, but her name is Alice Palmer. She is. Um, a powerhouse, <laughs> and she has encouraged me um, from the beginning, and I thank her for. Um, basically, you know, sending me all around the world because my parents, I think, are the biggest internationalists I've ever met in the world, and we had wow. everyone living in the house. I mean, it, there was a couch for everyone, and you know, in the middle of the South Side of Chicago, it was just crazy. I never forget when my dad brought the Swiss Embassy on the middle of, of in, on a on a bus on a chartered bus, and all of these you know black people, and Mexican people were like. <laughs> who the heck is that? <laughs> and they're like, hello. <laughs> so it was awesome, and I appreciate that for opening up the world to me and just traveling with me and taking me everywhere because they're the ones who really taught me to love every type of food. you know. So I was never picky because we were eating Indonesian, Ethiopia, whatever.
0: <laughs> wow, well, that's that's quite a resume. That's good to – you have a legacy here. That's great. Thank you.
2: Yes, I'm the mother of an amazing young woman. <laughs> I, I knew that she was smart, but I had never heard her in her professional capacity. So this is quite an eye-opener and delightfully so. You mean till tonight? <laughs> t- t- absolutely. Really? Yes, I have read the book, of course, but yeah. I have never heard her expound like this. Well, it's exciting. And I can see now why she uh, was selected to head the uh, this new uh, project at uh, Dillard. So we're delighted right. to be here and to hopefully you will adopt us <laughs> as uh, visiting New Orleanians or something
0: such. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, are there others at home? Did you raise other uh, interesting oh, people? Yes, she have course. brothers and sisters? Of
2: course, of course, yes. Uh, my husband was the uh, chair of the Sister Cities Committee under the late Harold Washington. Ah. And so <coughs> part of his work was. To make relationships and to, um, so that meant traveling around. And as she said, and he's one of these umbrella people. He likes to bring everybody under the the (laughs) big tent. And he said offhandedly when he was visiting, I've forgotten, was it the Swiss or the whatever? Anyway, he said, oh, if you're ever in Chicago, come and visit. And uh, at the time, I was associate dean of students at Northwestern. And he had the habit of calling on a Monday and saying, we're having dinner with so-and-so on Wednesday. (laughs) And uh, that means dinner. Uh, This time he called and said, um, they're coming for tea. And they did indeed have a bus. It went from (laughs) one end of the block to the mid of of the block. (laughs) And they were like little martinets, They're marching (laughs) off into our house. And my neighbors, some of whom have not learned uh, cooth sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) said, who the uh, are these people? (laughs) But there they were. And I have a delightful uh, set of um, lovely uh, dishes and beautiful, um, you know, wear from their visit. Mm -hmm. And that was very typical in our house. Mm -hmm. We had people sleeping on couches Mm -hmm. and visiting and passing through and. From all over. From all over. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Now where where were you raised?
2: <laughs> I was raised up south in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> <All right>. mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
0: So Chicago is the big city from, from there, huh? Yes, yeah. it is
2: indeed. Yes. Yeah. If you come that way or you can go the other way and go to Detroit. Detroit was never of interest to our family. Sorry Detroitans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how would you end up as associate dean at Northwestern? Were you in teaching before that? Were you a professor before that? Or were you always I in administration?
2: Was a, um, I was a graduate student working on my doctorate, and uh, I needed a job. And so uh, one of the uh, associate deans in my college said, well, they're looking for a tutor at uh, the Black House. This is African-American Student Affairs, I said right up my alley. I'd been a teacher for years and years, so I applied, and I held court on the third floor of this Victorian house, and the director was in the office next door, and he heard me actually being able to pull out of these students some essays and, you know, this, that, and the other, and so when he decided to uh leave for to be an fbi agent he Mm. (laughs) yeah that's another story there okay (laughs) (laughs) he uh recommended to the dean of students and the vice president for student affairs that i was the one so that's how i got there
0: all right are you still doing that or have you retired
2: oh no i've had many lives since then
1: (laughs) (laughs) and now you're enjoying new orleans i uh, am with your daughter i love it
2: yes I love the fluidity Uh, Chicago unfortunately has become um, a bit rigid Uh, you know I'm sure you're aware of our social issues and so forth and the intense poverty and all the other ills and they have accumulated to such an extent that uh, Chicago when when I came there in the 50s wide-eyed and loving and going to uh too young to be in these places but going to listen to every jazz (laughs) group i could find with my suitcase in hand and my play cousin who also had no business in these places but um it's very different from the way it used to be
0: Now, who are some of the um noteworthy jazz acts you saw back then in the 50s and 60s in chicago Um, see charlie parker
2: I that's the one I did not. Uh, there used to be a, uh, a place called um, the Sutherland, and it had this curious. Uh, the the stage was in the middle of the round bar, and so Miles Davis would walk in, climb up on the bar, leap over onto the stage, turn his back, of course, on everybody, <laughs> and just start blowing. <laughs> 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 uh, Um, I remember the day, uh, a Sunday, uh, Dinah Washington was in town. She always had an entourage, and she'd walk in dragging her fur coat on the ground, and she'd (laughs) climb over and start singing, and the crowd, the group, would sit over to the side and cheer for her. So, yeah, I I saw lots and lots of folk. (laughs) Now,
1: well, music obviously you enjoyed that those experiences and did you have music growing up in your home oh with cooking gosh. and and i've been celebrating
3: secretly their uh vinyl for like ever <laughs> 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 oh your mom's now staying with you now then she's I gonna know. see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Is there any Stay any the any hysteria. locked doors in the, in the place no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any rooms off limits
3: they had the best vital collection on the planet. They still do, and it's, yes, just, it's yes. just crates and crates. And I just remember them just dancing all night, and you know the music and the meetings because they were always, you know, revolutionaries gonna take over the world. And I was just sitting for there, good. just listen for, <laughs> for good, for good, for positive things, and you know, just their stereo and you know the wine pouring and just strategizing and reading Nietzsche or whatever else they were doing you know so they were some eclectic artsy you know educated intellectuals I would say
2: I have to <laughs> say when she was about five um, I bought her a dollhouse, and we had it made especially for her I-, I love things like that and so we came home from work And there's the dollhouse on the floor in the living room. And there she is sitting on the floor in front of the dollhouse. And all the little furniture we'd had made, it's all outside the dollhouse in a circle. I said, well, Zella, what are you doing? She said, they're having a meeting.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, that's what I learned and just brought here is just kind of that grassroots you know, organization, because I think that's something that Chicago definitely has, you know, and everything, you know, we just organize, you know,
0: the not as organized, <laughs> <laughs> not so much. And, you know, <laughs> when
3: I first came here, you know, I was kind of overwhelmed people because I'm like, OK, you know, let's do this. And I had to, like, take it slow and just, you know, learn how to, like I said, be a curator and listen to other people, you know, and that that really humbled me a lot because, you know, huh. sometimes that. Big shoulder, Chicago, you know, oof, is just like overwhelming to people. So, yeah. you know, to come here and just like, just be, you know, yeah. and just be still and just observe. I think that was amazing for me, and I needed that, you know, I really did. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's brilliant because I mean, I, I you know, I, I've seen a lot of people come to New Orleans and love it, and I kind of burn out on it, or initially uh, find that they're not as accepted or whatever. And I think one thing I've I've strategized about how to be a good citizen here, right. nine years I've lived here. One thing I've, I'm learning is you got to listen yep. to the culture and talk less and listen more, and that's hard exactly. for me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because it has a lot to teach you. It's got a lifetime worth of stuff to teach you. You can it never does. take it all in here, but you got to shut up and and, okay. uh, and just be... And that's rough for me. So thanks me for six your wise years. words. That's okay. taken me
3: six years. And I'm finally getting there. I'm on nine.
0: I'm still blowing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> we'll, we'll work yeah. on that together. Yeah, I think, I think like you're a little planet. bit more of a natural than
3: I am at that. <laughs> 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 um. i right. It's a work in progress. <laughs> oh.
1: And have you found that people, um, you listen and you uh, are so respectful and, and, and learning about things. But do you find that people are um, inspired by that and you maybe can... Bring people together and get them to be a little more um, motivated than I think so.
3: I mean, it it started, you know, with me just really working in the community, you know, and just, you know, just going to people's houses and just listening to them, you know. And I think that's why, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I was, uh, got this position, that current position that I have now, um, because I know how to listen, perhaps, you know, and, you know, it just, I don't know i just want to be a part of something that's bigger than me mm-hmm. you know and really follow what ray charles original vision was you know and he loved the city he wasn't he wasn't originally from new orleans but the new orleans made his sound yeah
0: but you know this might be a good break for off the menu this yes is where we, we ask you oddball questions okay. we can
1: get back to that because okay. i have more questions okay, about yeah. it. um but uh so we there's a This is the point in the show where we ask y'all questions that you would not uh, hear, typically hear on a job interview or, you know, at a uh, university if you're, uh, so uh, it's a little off the beaten path. So my question for you, Zella, is if you were given unlimited funds to live in Cuba again (laughs) for one year... Uh but you could only have one sensory experience the whole time you were there which would it be either hearing music and people Mm. tasting food Mm. uh, feeling the environment and being able to create Mm. or seeing life unfold which one thing would you be okay with experiencing for a year
3: I mean, it would definitely have to be when the embargo ends. (laughs) That's Um, but I think it would be the one where being in the environment to create, um, is that the one you just said? Yes.
1: Well, tasting food, Mm -hmm. hearing music and listening to people, feeling the environment and being able to create with your hands, you know, um. Or see, or visually seeing life. So in this creepy
0: scenario, she's got you blindfolded and your ears
1: plugged. (laughs) Oh,
3: gotcha!
1: (laughs) You can only so you can only feel, (laughs) (laughs) see, taste, or hear.
3: Taste, definitely. I mean, Cuban food, you know, is just to me like New Orleans food. It just, it's, it's so complex but so simple, you know. And it's, it's just heart and soul, you know. And I can remember like just you know, the same way that they have the Holy Trinity, you know, same thing they have in Cuba, the sofrito, you know, in Latin America period, it's the base, you know, and what you put at the pot, at the bottom of the pot, before you put any of the meat, before you put anything else, that flavor that, you know, gives the pot, it's oomph, you know, the soul the soul of it, you know, and it's, and I can remember just being there and, you know, the, it's I mean we're talking about they had they don't have a lot of the stuff that we have you know the access to a lot of stuff but they use with just garlic you know cilantro um you know cumin that meal is going to be the best meal you ever have you know and then they have those paladais which are like you know home kind of restaurants you know because you can't really open up a restaurant through the government, you know. But you need, you still can have a permission. I mean, it's complicated. It's it's corrupt and all of that. <laughs> but you know, when you do get to be in somebody's house and they have a paladai, you know, which is a small home, like home cook restaurant in a way, and you sit down and have that meal, you know, arroz con gris or you know, the the, the roasted pork. I mean, my mom loves. Oh, Cuban roasted I pork. loves the Cuban pork. Oh That's my man. Favorite And thing on they roasted and you know on the ground and it's just yeah. like it's a whole. You know, festivity, and it's just amazing. And it, that, and I took that when I came here. So I would have to definitely say yeah. taste, because I couldn't imagine life without taste. You know, and, and taste can just—it means so many. It means so many things. You and know? you
1: can learn so much about. You, you, there's stories just in, a, in the flavors they put in Absolutely. and their history and um, so much culture. So Absolutely. that makes sense.
3: Absolutely. And Do you have a
0: favorite place to eat Cuban food here in New Orleans?
3: Ooh, that's a tough one. My house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. When are we going? There After we go. this, okay. Yeah.
2: Great cook. Uh, Thank you.
0: Okay, Dr. Palmer, I have a question for you. So we've all had kind of brief encounters with people we'll have a meal with someone or a meeting with someone and it's been magical and then uh, the time passes and then afterwards you tell the story and you start, And every time you tell it you start thinking of things you wish you would asked them or things you wish you would talked about um, sounds like you've had a, a vast array of interesting characters come and go through your, through your life uh, if you had a choice of one person that you've met before to meet again living or dead we can bring them back for this story um, this scenario uh, who would that be, and what would you talk about? Do you have any, you know? He's like, I had lunch with Harold Washington, and I never asked him about why he did blah 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 in Chicago, or whoever. You know, I had a drink of Miles Davis, and he didn't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we and all we talked about, all he wanted to talk about was my hair, and then we, I wish we talked about something <laughs> else. I mean, what what's uh? Mm,
2: that's a tough question. My goodness, um, you don't have another question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You got to answer it. <laughs> I <gotta> answer
0: that. <laughs> Well, what's oh. the first thing that pops in your head? I mean.
2: It doesn't. What pops into my head is just an array of people over many, many years. Um, I don't know. Probably, probably the students that I had my black house babies <laughs> who um, are extraordinary human beings now who are interestingly in their 40s. And have accomplished so much um, and have maintained their integrity and their creativity and all of that and I stay in touch with a number of them and they call periodically and if I'm in Washington or whatever or wherever they are I get a chance to have dinner with them and well tell so tell us about one enjoy that.
0: just what first one that pops in your head it's an interesting mm-hmm. story about one of your ex-students or one of your
2: ex-residents at the well, Black House? I'm not close to him, but for example, uh, Harry Lennox, the actor, huh. was one of the uh, young men who was very active. Um, the Black House was um, a refuge in some ways. It was a, a launching. It was lots of different things. Um, and... He uh, he's an extraordinary human being. I have not seen. Could him Could you tell in back then he was years. extraordinary? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he was very close to our um, assistant dean, and I remember him at his funeral. And you know, he just he came into his own uh, through there, and I was happy that uh, I was invited back to talk about the history of the black house oh and when,
0: when did that happen
2: oh about a year or so ago oh neat so it's still was, operated and oh yeah it's still same it's place same, same name. place absolutely neat. and uh i saw the um number of the athletes who felt they were being um mistreated which they were at that time and i'll oh. never forget that these were all bright people you know smart people and um they organized and they're in the living room of the black house and they said uh, dean we're gonna march on the uh the administration building i said well do you want me to go with you they said you'd go with me i said of course so uh, my predecessor had given me a wonderful bit of advice he said always tell the higher ups what you're going to do so i picked up (laughs) the phone i called the vice president and uh, i knew his secretary well I said, Irene, we're marching on you. She said, fine, I'll clear the building. And we went over there, and this most articulate young man explained the circumstances, why they had organized. Uh, the vice president was an amazing man who said, I'll take care of it. <laughs> they fired the athletic director the next day. Wow, Northwestern's athletic That's director right, got fired cleaned the next it day. out. And started anew and these young men went on to some amazing um huh. accomplishments. So very rational, very sane, very articulate. Hmm. And uh yeah, I think I enjoy an evening spending spent with them.
0: Oh huh. do you need to write your book. You need to write your yeah. book. <laughs> now um uh Dr. Palmer has said that she's uh, made discovery about her daughter uh, tonight by just being here and hearing you talk about your profession. Have you discovered things about your mom's profession uh, while you're here that you hadn't really realized as she talks about?
3: I just watch, you know.
0: Anything new tonight you learned, in other words?
3: I mean, just that she's. If she says that I'm amazing, it's because she's amazing. <laughs> you know, I just, I, sometimes I just sit in awe and just, you know, just her story is just amazing to me. And she, I admire her, not just because she's my mom, but I just really admire who she is, you know.
2: You should have met her dad, too. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's something else, you know. <laughs> now, wait, what,
0: what's the circumstances of your
2: dad? He's, um, well, he um, couldn't afford to go to college, join the Air Force and uh had thought he would uh, the highest that he could possibly be when they ask you well what do you want to do well you know military police they gave him this test they said my god you know you're super smart and so why would you want to be military police had you ever thought about going into intelligence he said what's that they said listen forget it we're going to put you in intelligence So that's where he was. He was monitoring the Russians in the 1950s in the mountaintop in Germany. What? And the Air Force is much more fluid than the Army. And so he said, huh, I wonder what's at the bottom of the hill. So he came down and um, with his compadres, they rented a room in a German lady's house. And from that moment on, he learned German. He's fluent in German. I, I have a tin ear. She's fluent in Spanish, you know. But um, that led him into his eyes being opened to how incredible the world is. And so he bicycled through the Alps while he was in the Air Force, all these kinds of things. So by the time he and I met, um he had had all these experiences. You know, I'd had a few myself. And so there we were. <laughs> Where'd y'all meet? We met at Malcolm X Community College. <laughs> yeah. Where's that? Chicago? This was one of those where the students took it over, <laughs> renamed it. What? Uh, hired and fired the faculty. <laughs> and <Chicago>. i <laughs> that's <laughs> Chicago. I had come to, in, to Chicago from Indianapolis. And I was looking for work, so I sat down with the phone. I had tried to teach in the schools, but that was so bizarre. I said, there must be something else here. I looked in the phone book. And they had this list of, of city colleges. <coughs> the first one said, I, neighborhood I never heard of. The second one answered, Malcolm X College. I said, aha. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an interesting that place. Sounds, <laughs> so the guy came and picked me up. The students uh, interviewed me. They said, "You're hired."
0: Oh wait, what year was that?
2: Mm, Roughly. My God, yeah, know. that was in the uh, <laughs> the '60s. Yeah, so in the
0: '60s, they had named a community college Malcolm X Community oh, College. Oh, absolutely. Did and not know that. Wow. My
2: husband happened to have been the head of uh, safety and security huh. there, and we met because someone was hassling me. And they said, "I said, well, who should I talk to?" They said, uh, "Buzz Palmer over there." So His I name went. was Buzz. Edward Buzz it, Palmer, yeah. that's right. I Endlessly went over interesting. There. Okay, that's
0: great. You
1: are the best plus one. <laughs> I just have I'm sorry to interrupt you.
2: No, but oh, this yeah. is yeah, that's the most
1: this incredible evening.
2: Oh. No, 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 not at all.
0: No. So where where is he now?
2: Oh, he's there babysitting with you okay okay. Yeah, i thought you were gonna have some dramatic story like the russians no. killed him okay oh good okay he's I'm glad he's safely at home yes. Yes. oh good
0: i'm glad he's safe he had a
2: grandpa. He's much CNN. Uh,
0: we, the world needs buzz as long as possible this is great oh good okay well, i'm glad putin has you for a god letting dome.
2: me be a plus one i enjoyed meeting all of you oh, oh, and great. you know
3: just just let me just say like you know his his father and his you know mm-hmm. and all grandfather all from new orleans you know uh-huh. and they came here they came to chicago they got on that train and came to chicago worked in the coal uh related to eddie palmer the boxer you know huh. from, 19, <laughs> from the late 19th century and they were boxers and you know what else did they do here i can't remember what else what else did they do here they did so much so yeah, and yeah. it goes way back, you know. And yes. just to, I knew, like, I was here for a reason, and we recently found that out. So it just solidifies why mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah,
2: his great-great-grandmother wow. was French Huguenot. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: oh, so <laughs> Protestant French. That's yep. interesting, yeah. Yep, yep. In New Orleans?
2: In New Orleans, yep. that's where I've she. I've never heard
0: about Huguenots in New Orleans. Well, I mean, I, yep. obviously French here, and you know about French Jews here, but I, I, I never know. knew about French Protestants yep. here.
2: And yep. cooks, that's and the she crazy was a part cook. about. <laughs> she was a cook, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. that's so Insane. interesting. <laughs> yes, and his, uh, he, the, her, her husband who mm-hmm. was the Palmer, mm-hmm. his grandmother or his mother, his
3: gra- w- his his mother and his was um, named uh,
2: Alice. Isn't that oh. crazy? We just found that we out, just out just literally like out. two weeks yes. ago. We,
3: you know, someone, uh, my uncle actually found this out and hired like a genealogist, oh. and we found out that her name was Alice Alice Palmer, which is crazy. <laughs>
0: Oh, and this you know? is a random, weird question, but uh, Huguenots uh, in America mostly ended up being Presbyterian. They didn't start their own denomination, so they joined the Presbyterians. And there's was a famous, the only famous Presbyterian clergyman in New Orleans uh, was Benjamin Palmer. Hmm. But that's, there's no relation no, there, right? Sure. Well, we don't, yeah. know. I don't know. Palmer's name for him, <laughs> right? Then Palmer yeah. Park is named for him.
3: Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> ah,
0: interesting. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Get the genealogist on that. I'd be yeah, interested in yeah, that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I just need to spend time at the New Orleans Public Library to really find <laughs> out what's going on. <laughs>
0: common name, but, you know, know. you never know. You never know. Not a lot of Presbyterians around here, especially (laughs) back then.
3: Yeah. I'm working on that. uh,
1: Zella, I wanted to ask you about, um, now, you recently participated in a documentary, correct? Yes. Absolutely.
3: And I want to give a big shout out to Susan Pfefferly, um, the author and uh, um, filmmaker of Vietnamese cuisine in New Orleans. I wish you could be here right now. Um, we are actually currently working on actually yesterday we filmed at um, Edgar Sierra Jimenez house um, from Colombia uh, and we had Sancocho, we had Sangria I mean we had just an awesome time he made Cafe Brulade, it was just amazing experience and just documenting his story and I get to do it the second time around and I'm so excited because he actually gets to tell the story you know through film so she approached me and you know I, it was funny but she wanted to do something, a Latin American. Then she, voila, she finds my book. She's dang it, it's taken. It. And I wanted to do something of Vietnamese. I said, dang it, it's taken. Oh, it. wow. <laughs> <laughs> so she approached me through Twitter, actually. I think through Chef Garcia. Because Chef Garcia has been, you know, Like his wife and him basically adopted me, you know. Uh. So they, you know, hooked us up and through Twitter, like we basically, you know, said, okay, let's meet. And then she said, you know, I love your book. She's like, you basically did all the research for my film. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And then she's like, you know what? Would you like to be a co-producer? I said, absolutely. That's just amazing. So a lot of the people that you'll see in the film. It's actually from my book as well, but also other people that she found and then other people that we found together. So, I mean, it's just an amazing... Now what's you know, the topic?
0: Is it New Orleans? And the History
3: of Latin American Cuisine in New Orleans. In
0: New Orleans. And it's going to be a documentary. It's going
3: to be a documentary on WYAS. Amazing. WYS. How long? It's going to launch in November. Okay.
0: Is it so. an hour or two it's hours? It's going to work?
3: probably be at about an hour. I mean, right now we have like five hours of footage. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy. We have to do a lot of editing. And Lenny Delbert, you know, who is uh, the videographer, the also uh, the co-producer, he's been amazing. Now this is with totally well. separate
0: from like like Peggy Laborde's series mm-hmm. of different ethnicities in New well, Orleans. Well, Peggy Laborde
3: actually, I think, knows about it. Okay, but
0: it's not part of her. She's not narrating or anything like that. It's I not think she is narrating it. If oh, I'm so not maybe mistaken. it's in that series then. That's kind of cool because yeah. they have like, Jews in New Orleans and Italians in New Orleans and so forth. Yeah, I, I, I'm not Walls sure. Star Don't quote me on that, okay. but I
3: know that Suzanne works, you know, closely with her, yeah. and you know, she kind of. I mean, I've I have a lot of stuff going on right now with my position, and you know, all of that, but. You know, what I do is basically just, you know, suggest people and we go to their houses and I'm like, hola, you know, it's (laughs) me again. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) it's been good. It's been good. Yeah.
0: Now you mentioned like cafe, uh, is it brulat? Has he said? Cafe brulat. Yeah. Know. Okay. Now, does yeah. is that, is that mean burnt coffee? Is that what that mean? is? That is that like cafe Brulot here, like yeah, the French? Brula, yeah, I, yeah, say yeah. It, I say it. So that's like different. a Spanish Sorry. version of that.
3: Well, that's the way Edgar says it. So I'm like, it, it's not the Spanish. Is it the version. same
0: thing though? It's like fruit burned yeah. with the yeah. yeah.
3: Exactly. I mean, he's worked. Like I said, he worked he's worked at Brennan's. The worked and all at, that. Yeah. He's worked at Brennan's. Ah. He's worked at you know he works at K Paul's right now. He's a poet, um, photographer, amazing photographer. I mean, he he took so many amazing pictures during Katrina. It was it's uh. insane but you know he prepared it for us with latin american coffee <laughs> so <laughs> cool. he had his own little latin american twist and then we had uh colombian sancocho which is basically kind of like the colombian or dominican version of gumbo but oh. he put andouille sausage in it and it was incredible it just gave a whole n- new like twist to sancocho that i've never tried before oh, wow yeah
0: margo right we're getting signaled that we are out of time this is we have one more <laughs> question I hate this I have a lot many know, more I questions
1: thousand, so um, <laughs> but I you know maybe we could have y'all back maybe okay. um, Buzz could babysit again <laughs> and we could have you well, I want y'all Buzz on the show
0: though yeah, too though. yeah I want Buzz right. next yeah, time too I would love too, to was, come back and talk about
3: yeah. you know what I'm doing at Dillard because uh, that's you know, I really want to put that out there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. One one
0: trick is because we haven't had we've been doing this for two years. We haven't had any repeat guests yet, but we have in that if some if we get if you have a friend who could be the guest, they could bring you as the plus one. I would love back. to
3: actually bring back uh, Christian Green, Master Chef. Cool. Uh, I don't know if y'all have been watching him, but he's definitely a Louisiana native and awesome. he's our youth ambassador. And cool. Let's book him him And he
0: can be you can be his plus one.
3: That would be awesome. Yeah. Is, uh, Youth
1: ambassador. He's young because uh, I was going to ask you who is the youngest.
3: Well, we chef. have two ambassadors for the program. We have Leah Chase, who is the honorary ambassador, oh, cool. who was good friends with Ray Charles. Yeah, you know. And oh yeah. Yeah, she was really close. And if you go into Chase's, you'll see pictures of yeah, Ray Charles. Yeah, yeah. He was very, very close with her, with her and her husband as well, Mr. Chase. And so she is the, our honorary ambassador, and then Christian Green is our youth ambassador because oh. he was actually a Dillard alum. And he, for the longest time, he would say, you know, how come we not, we don't do anything about food and blah, blah, blah. And then he went on to actually become a chef. And I mean, he has 13 years working in New Orleans wow. kitchens and then he made the cut and he's on Master Chef, And now he's in the top, I, I think he's in the top eight right now. But, wow. I mean, I don't, I, you know, it, it aired Fantastic. tonight, so I don't know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: will you uh, please stay in touch and let us know about exciting things that are, are going Absolutely. on there that, uh, and, and. Hopefully we can. Uh, I would love that. promote
3: and and support. And I know Diller would love that, and Ray Charles would love that because I know he's <laughs> watching over, you know, and just kind of doing his thing. <laughs> and he loves New Orleans food, that's for sure. He loves red beans and rice and stewed chicken, as, as Leah Chase would say. <laughs>
2: cool.
3: And
1: I want to mention to. Um, I would like you to. I know you write a blog. I don't know how much time oh. you're going to have to do that, in the future, but it's lovely content and it oh, has recipes you. and um interesting stories Thanks and you. so would you tell um sure. h- us about how to how to find that
3: um it's house dot so yeah it's house dot so <laughs> all right all right well thank
1: y'all so much for joining thank us you. on midnight menu plus one uh we really appreciate it and i know you're visiting so your time is very precious and uh It's very, you're very gracious to join us. You are delightful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
0: Well, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was uh, the great Zella Palmer, and her plus one was her mom, Dean Alice Palmer. You can find out more about both of them and uh, any of the projects they're involved in by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com.
1: And thanks tonight to Petite Pet Care for loving care when you're not there, PetitePetCare.com.
0: And thanks also to our host, Monkey Hill Bar on Magazine Street, 6100 block at Monkey Hill. You can enjoy a five-hour happy hour every weekday from 3 to 8 p.m. And every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday, Coronas, Margaritas, and Sangria Specials plus $2 tacos.
1: Uh, see you all next time on Midnight Menu Plus One. Till then, I'm Margo Moss.
0: And I'm Ray Canata. Good night. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Margot Moss, Grant Morris, and me, Ray Kanata. Our technical director is Chris Keogh.
1: You can find photos from tonight's show on our website, itsneworleans.com. On itsneworleans.com, you can also check out our blog. You can listen to lots more episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and our other shows, including Out to Lunch, Happy Hour, True to the Game, and Mindset.
0: You can hook up with me and Margo anytime by following Midnight Menu Plus One on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also Google Midnight Menu Plus One, and we come right up.
1: The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to us by Presonus Audio. For more information about Presonus recording equipment, go to presonus.com.
0: Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For all of us here at Midnight Menu Plus One, thanks for joining us. I'm Ray Canada.
1: And I'm Margot Moss. We look forward to seeing you back here next week on Midnight Menu Plus One.